Welcome to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in relationship, we grow in discipleship, and we grow in Jesus Christ. In this series, we enter a study of the letter to the Hebrews. In this study, we see how Jesus is better. He is the better revelation. He is the better priest. He is the better sacrificed. He is the better king. He brings the better covenant. So we hope that you join us as we grow together and learn more of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Subscribe so that you don't miss a single Lord's Day sermon. Hebrews chapter 6, Jesus is better, He is significantly better in a number of ways. We've discussed Him more recently in regard to His status as our great high priest. But this morning I want to begin by reminding you of how precious Christ is. He is so precious that the believer is not content to cease from his study of this magnificent Savior. Christ is so beloved of the believer that he yearns for greater fellowship in the bride of Christ for more time in prayer and more study of His Word. So last week we discussed the necessity of maturity in the Christian life, so it follows our conversation will become more mature with each week. For the seasoned saint, there's nothing sweeter than diving further into this ministry of Christ, but also for the children who are here. If you're a child or even weaker in the faith, listen up. Even for the children, just as you would from your parent or master or anyone who's teaching you something hard, listen closely because God is certainly going to make you more mature as well. That's what we're reading whenever... We see the work that God does. He teaches us the hard things. You are not mere attachments to the church, children. You're participants. You're sons and daughters of those who God has made a kingdom of priests. That's what believers are addressed as. And so even the children here, listen closely. For you're drawn in to learn from your parents and from the church as we go into hard things. Your important young sword bearers and shield maidens, if I may borrow the term from a friend. Listen closely as all of what we'll speak about this morning is very important to you. You must lay your foundation right. And so as we discuss the necessity of maturity this morning, 
we're discussing the only sure foundation and then building upon it. So if you would stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word, I will be reading Hebrews chapter six, verses one through eight. The scriptures say, therefore, Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good work of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. Seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this beautiful but frigid morning that our hearts may be warmed by that which your word imparts. Greater wisdom, greater knowledge concerning this Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you establish our foundations this morning, that we might rest fully and certainly on the work that you have accomplished in your son. Lord, that you would give your spirit and by him that we would receive understanding that we might preach this fully and effectively to our children, to the weaker in, in the faith, here within our church and there within our homes and everywhere in our communities. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So there's a foundation. Last week we talked about being of the uh, mature faith. The author beckoned us to maturity and he actually says in the context of this passage that we are to move beyond the foundation of repentance and faith, teaching of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection and eternal judgment. He, he said you, you must become mature. You should have been teachers of these things and yet you need someone to teach you still these simple primary or foundational things, which is why we read uh, in our passage there, therefore leaving those principles. Now, don't make a mistake here. Please don't misunderstand what he's saying. He's not telling us 
that these things are unimportant. On the contrary, he's telling us that these things are exceedingly important. They're the foundation of our beliefs after all. He's saying that these are these initial items that you must have, that you must understand so that you might move on to bigger and better and more glorious truths built on that foundation. So you want to know these and you want to know them well. He calls them our foundation. Do you know what a foundation is, children? Sometimes I recognize I use words that everybody doesn't understand. Do you know what a foundation, have you heard of that? That is when you build anything that's big and heavy like your house, it has a foundation that it might be built upon. You dig down to the harder ground and you make a sturdy base so that your house will not sink or move. The foundation must be correct in its measurement and correct in its depth. It must be substantial in its size and in its strength. It's got to hold up the entire house. Most people do not pay any attention to the foundation. The foundation does not get remodeled or painted. It will receive no praise. But if a foundation is not right or if it breaks, the entire house will fall. It will not matter how pretty you make it. It will not matter how diligently that you brace your house. The foundation will be what establishes your home. In the same way, we can say that there are doctrines and realities that serve as the foundation of our beliefs. If you misunderstand Christ in who He is or in what He has done, you have lost your foundation and your religion becomes false and your soul will perish. So the writer says this is the foundation. Now once the foundation's built, there's so much more to be added. He beckons us to those things. We need the foundation. It's necessary. But once the foundation is laid back to our house again, then comes the subfloor and the studs, the trusses and the roof, the windows, the siding, the flooring, the cabinets, the doors, the drywall, the insulation, the paint, the light fixtures, the plumbing, electric, gas, appliances, furniture, decorations, and then all of your belongings. Once you have all of this in your house, you'll plan for events. You'll cook suppers and you'll host Bible studies. You'll perform maintenance. You'll plan an inheritance for your children. And yet all of this rests on the foundation. It must not crumble. This is why the author speaks as he has. He says, 
This we will do if the Lord permits. Do you see what he's done there? In our study, the writer of Hebrews has said, you should be teachers. You've been a Christian for how long? You're, you've grown old in the faith. You should know these things, and yet you need someone to teach you these things. You ought to be able to move beyond your foundation to, to build something unto the Lord. You should know these things, and he lists out what seems central what really encompasses, we might even think, a lot of the faith. What in many times is neglected uh, in, in doctrine that's taught from the pulpit. Uh, everything from repentance and faith and baptisms and laying on of hands and resurrection and eternal judgment. But he says you should know these things and yet he promises you don't know them. You're at fault for not being a teacher of these things and for not having moved beyond these things. And yet, we're going to come back to your foundation if the Lord permits because indeed it is the foundation upon which all of these more glorious things are built. So it is to say... We're not going to build another foundation on top of your foundation. We're not going to paint it a pretty color to make sure that the rest of the house is sturdy. No, he says we're going to slow down. We're going to make sure that this foundation is correct. I realize that some of you have only a shaky foundation. Now that's not okay, but he does say, let us address this. Let's address this now before you busy yourself with good things that will ruin if your foundation is found to be false. So sure up the foundation. Test it out. See that which your faith is founded upon before you move on to these better things that require the strength of your foundation. So see the test that he puts to our foundation. So he has said, move on beyond these foundational things because these are the things and yet this we will do if the Lord permits. We're going to study them. But look at the way he tests that foundation. Beginning in verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good works of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. Now He's given us a test here to be sure that we are keeping our foundation true. Many people will come to this passage that I've just read for you out of context and they will forget the full teaching here. They will pretend that having those things that we've just mentioned as your sure foundation, say you have those, uh, an understanding of repentance, faith, uh, understanding of, of, of baptism, resurrection, laying on of the hands and eternal judgment, 
They pretend that should you have those things, this strong foundation, that your faith will still fail in securing the salvation that those things promise. Right? Have you heard that said before? It's impossible for those who have these things and fall away to be restored to repentance. They say, well, you can lose it. You can lose your salvation. It's shaky, shaky, shaky foundation here that your faith is founded upon. Maybe you have heard this, but that is simply not true. The Arminian position will tell you this passage proves that a believer may lose his salvation. I want to tell you this morning, if someone tells you this, it only proves that they enjoy twisting the Scriptures. I want you to compare those things that were mentioned here at the last with those things he mentioned at the first. We begin in verse 4. I want you to hold your finger on verse 4 and look again to verse 1 and, and make this comparison regarding these Christian characteristics that are mentioned here. To understand repentance and faith in verse 1 is to be one who has been enlightened by God in verse 4. Do you see that? To receive believers' baptism is to have tasted of the heavenly gift in verse 4. To enjoy the ministry of the laying on of hands, as mentioned in verse 1, is to have shared in the Holy Spirit. To grasp the resurrection, as mentioned in verse 1, is to know the goodness of the Word of God. The one mentioned at the first who anticipates eternal judgment is the one who knows well the powers of the age to come. This mentioned in verse 4. I make these links only generically, but the indication is clear. The one who lays waste to the pure foundation mentioned here has no hope of the effects that it has in eternity. The one who has that shaky foundation, who does not have a sure foundation, has no foundation at all. The one who has all these things and then rejects them cannot have a new foundation, a better foundation, or a different foundation laid. They must only rely on this original foundation for Christ Himself is the cornerstone. It is He that grants repentance and faith which gives light to the darkened minds of men. It is Christ who is the heavenly gift which baptizes not just with water, but with spirit and with fire. It is through the ministry of Christ alone that the Spirit is given by the Father. 
It is the Word alone who is the Son, the Word incarnate, that is promised to make the dead alive. It is King Jesus who holds all power and authority in heaven and on earth, currently and forever, that will execute His righteous, eternal judgment. You understand the message. This is the only foundation. There is no other. He is telling us that Christ has laid this foundation. You must get it so that you can move on building more glorious things. And if you have this and have laid waste to it, or if it crumbles in any way, if you don't get this foundation, then your building will not last. You are the man who's built his house on the sand. There is no shortage of men who have grown too smart for Christ. They suppose the foundation is weak or that His Word is imperfect or that our knowledge might reach the heavens or that we must be winsome to the culture or to use my, you must use my favorite translation or be a member of my club or go easy on the sinful or, or be more demanding on the religious. They create whatever their hearts fancy. They go on and on and on. But what the Scriptures tell us is this foundation is fulfilled in Christ, the cornerstone. He has argued to us that He is the great high priest he has said that there is a sure foundation that's founded upon Christ that He Himself has established and there is no other. There's not a variation. No, no slight way, shadow, or turning within thee. You start with the good foundation and then you build upon Him. So him speaking of this foundation, he gives us an example immediately following. He says it's impossible for you to have had all of these things and tear that down and somehow still build up. It is impossible. Then he gives us another example as he so, God so graciously does in his word and he says in verse 7 in this separate example, for the earth which drinketh the rain that comes often upon it and brings forth herbs that are good for them, for, for whom it's meat, the one who's prepared them, it produces a blessing. This is how the writer impresses what he is teaching. His example comes... In a plant, he says, look to your garden, Christian. This plant which receives the rain from heaven and produces the full fruit for its husbander, God is pleased with the one who has drunk from the spring of living water that is Christ and that has borne him spiritual fruit. This is the story this parable of the plant that drinks from the rain and produces fruit for its grower, 
This is the story of the one who has a proper foundation and is built up into a spiritual house unto God. But then comes the formidable alternative. He says, but that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. The seed that is planted and has received the proper care yet yields no fruit, produces no blessing. It is a curse and will be burned. Now we know there is an unrighteous seed that bears bad fruit for the sowing of God's just wrath. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the impossibility of God laying a good foundation upon which no house is built. This is a letter that is written to Christians. This is a letter that is written to those who have had the foundation laid. We're not talking about bad seed here. We're talking about those who, who know and have and should have become experts. This foundation is laid. He goes back to ensure that it's a good foundation because it is impossible. He says in this passage, it's impossible for the one such as you to have this good foundation to not have the house built upon it. It's impossible for you, the good seed, who's received the rains of living water to not bear fruit unto God. That is a category that doesn't exist in all of Scripture. I've experienced something very odd before. If you've ever visited Gatlinburg, Tennessee, there's a place a little ways away from there called Elkmont. There was a popular vacation stay over a hundred years ago. I believe it debuted in 1912. Now, while there are current renovation efforts to the, a, a role of some of those little vacation cabins and cottages there. In a portion of this town of Elkmont, you can take a short trail that goes off from there and see a series of dozens of foundations with chimneys even that still remain just out in the woods with nothing left upon them. One after another, foundation, chimney, and no, no house, trees, shrubs, creek, nothing, Over, overgrowth, not even the slightest remnant that a cabin was ever built upon it. This is what has warranted the modern title, Elkmont, the ghost town. It's quite eerie in a certain sense, and it seems even unnatural at the same time, walking by foundation after foundation and chimney after chimney. Do you suppose, Christian, that that bears any likeness to the kingdom of God? 
By no means. What is obvious is this town about this town is that there is no life. It is long gone. There is nothing left of it. The life is gone from it if it ever had any. God in His Word this morning assures you that His kingdom is not a ghost town. Yet there is a needed reminder in their day and in ours that you will bear fruit. You are being built up into a holy house for the Lord. You are being united to His people which are His bride, His holy possession, His royal priesthood. You are His handiwork or you are not. Get off of the fence because there is no in-between. There is no fence. Be holy for He is holy. Establish the foundation and build, my friends. Come to know Christ and to know Him more. What His Word is saying is that this is the foundation in which He is laid. You've got that. Are you Christian? This is what you have. Repentance and faith. You've got uh, baptism into newness of life. You've got the, the gift of the church in which we participate in the laying on of hands as we as we build one another up in prayer. You have resurrection of life that has freed you from the consequence of the eternal judgment that comes. That's the foundation. That's what you have. Build upon it. Quit pretending that you are the ghost town of Elk, Elkmont. It is not so. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 18-22, For through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom... The whole structure, that's you, being built, joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. He presses the issue in the same letter, picking up in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 1. I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Do you see the same things coming through here? One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Saying he ascended, what does it mean? That he also descended into the lower regions of earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the work of God through Christ in His church. There aren't any other options. In conclusion... There is nothing else upon which you may build. That is what this passage is teaching us. It is not teaching us that your salvation is shaky. Quite frankly, it is the opposite. He is shoring it up and he is telling you, I have established this, now build on it. Build on it. If you're building on something else, then take inventory. Call in the inspector. Look it over and ensure this is the only foundation. And where this foundation is, there will he build his house. There is no other foundation upon which you may build and there is no other water which will produce your growth except Christ alone. If indeed you have this firm foundation, that is, this Word of God from His apostles and prophets with Christ as their cornerstone, then build, grow in righteousness and be a blessing to God. This is the undeniable end for all whom He has called. These are the beginnings of your maturity, Christian. Whenever he says that you must be mature, these are the beginnings. He's starting from the bottom. He's he's bringing you to Christ. Was it not Christ who said, I will build my church? You are becoming something great in Christ. How do I know this? See how he continues where we will pick up next week. Verse 9, But beloved, we're persuaded of better things for you. Things that accompany 
salvation though we thus speak. He's telling you, listen, I'm telling you hard things to smack some sense into you that you might understand the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is finished. Quit, quit being lethargic. Don't be the lazy workman. Build. Be built up into the spiritual household that He has called you to be. He is sure, certain of better things for you. What a glorious encouragement for us today. This is the Word. This is the truth that is incumbent upon every Christian here this morning. If you have this foundation that, is, that has Christ Jesus as its cornerstone, you are being built up. Realize that so that we might build and in the coming weeks move on to full maturity of the faith addressing these hard things that He hasn't even gotten to yet. He hasn't even gotten to the hard things. But He will. But He will only build on this sure foundation that each of us have for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Almost gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for Christ. Lord, we thank You for the sure foundation that You establish for us in Your Word. By Your apostles and Your prophets and Christ. Christ is our cornerstone. That stone which was rejected, but is now that which upon all things are now built. Lord, we look forward to the work that You will do. We are sure, because of Your Word, we are sure of the work that You shall do in each of us. Lord, we have confidence that the One who has begun a good work in New Life Baptist Church, that is, New Life Baptist Fellowship or congregation, the saints, the people here that are Your bride, we are confident You will bring it to completion. Lord, for You are our cornerstone and You are our capstone. Lord, we pray that the house here is built up in a way that is pleasing to You. Lord, that we might experience Your fellowship, Your community, Your indwelling. That we might be Your pleasant abode. For You have done this work and You deserve Your blessing. God, we ask that You be with us. Keep us safe. Go with us into our household that we do teach these things to our children that those indictments that have been levied against us be not levied against them lord that we go teach these things to our community lord that we are guarded unto pure doctrine that our foundation is sure and that our building is sure in this kingdom that you have called us to be and so, Father, we pray that You take glory, that these words would resonate with us and move us into this week, that Your will would be accomplished, that You would be all in all, that You would receive the glory in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us in New Life Baptist Preaching. 
hope that you join us each Lord's Day in this study of the letter of Hebrews where we learn Jesus is better. Remember to subscribe so that you don't miss any sermon 